The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. Support your healthy CoQ10 levels and blood pressure with two chews a day. Visit RadioBeatsBeets.com and save 15% with promo code DEAL. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. CannabisRadio.com proudly presents Grassroots Marketing. Each episode curates thought provoking dialogue with an exclusive class of thought leaders who will offer high-end roundtable business strategies and solutions that seek to prune and harvest great ideas in each 30-minute episode. Thought leaders in the cannabis industry convene here to share some of their best practices and protocols. Let's chart the growth of this burgeoning industry, one of the world's premier cash crops, right now on Grassroots Marketing. And thanks again for joining us here for Grassroots Marketing here on CannabisRadio.com. Under my next guest's leadership, his firm has been ranked as the number one fastest-growing agency in the United States in its revenue category by O'Dwyer's. It's one of the leading uh, publications in the PR space, public relations, as well as one of the 50 most powerful agencies in the United States and, quote-unquote, one of the coolest spaces at the hottest PR firms, quote-unquote, by The Observer. And that, my guest is uh, CEO of North 6th, agency matt rosetta matt thanks for joining us jorge it's great to be here thanks for having me on hey our pleasure so just so people know as a background we've actually uh, had a chance to go and work together with the team and uh, n6a as this acronymized i don't even know if that's a word or not but <laughs> the idea is we've actually had a chance to see a lot of clients come on board because in the cannabis space over the last three four years there have been a lot of representation by way of PR agencies. And I guess the one question I wanted to start off with, uh, just off the beaten path, is to get your thoughts about, you know, when you've got N6A, which has been, I'm pretty sure, working with mainstream clients before you made your way into cannabis, uh, talk to me about, you know, the response that you got when you approached the, the space and, you know, where really cannabis industry uh, uh, companies have really looked at PR companies more as a marketing arm, as a full arm for advertising marketing aside from public relations. So the 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 gambit of what you are doing in terms of services must have increased due to the demand that these companies you're working with are asking for. Sure, that's absolutely right, Jorge. When we first, you know, we first dabbled in representing cannabis clients in the legal cannabis space, probably going back, this is around 2015, 2016. At that time, Jorge, we were five or six years in business. We had built a, you know, a heck of a company um, representing clients in all sorts of different sectors like technology and consumer and professional services. And we had a cannabis client come in and uh, through some of our mutual connections that we were, uh, through investors that we were connected to, they were looking for a PR firm and we met as a team. We weren't, to your point, we weren't really sure what to expect back then. Cannabis was very nascent. It was stigmatized in many respects. And, um, you know, we made a team decision that we, we obviously were passionate about the space. We wanted to 
um, learn. We wanted to build our Rolodex. We re really wanted to educate ourselves. So we took on this client really as an experimentation. It was a client that didn't touch the plant. We made a concerted decision back then to work with clients that weren't touching the plant. This is back, you know, five or six years ago, of course. And uh, it was one of the best decisions we ever made. You know, we quickly got a chance to learn the industry before a lot of uh, competing firms had the opportunity to do so. We built our Rolodex with cannabis entrepreneurs early on. I got a chance firsthand to meet and speak with these entrepreneurs and really understand uh, what they were passionate about and what drove them. And that was the, how we built the foundation of the cannabis practice. And now, of course, five years later or so, you know, then a few years later, we rolled it out as a formalized division of N6A. We've represented clients through all sorts of, across all sorts of cannabis sectors. Obviously now we do work with clients that touch the plant as well as clients that don't touch the plant. And it was, and it was one of the best decisions we could have ever made. We've also had a front row seat just to see the cannabis media landscape, as you can appreciate, you know, certainly uh, transform Jorge over the past five years. And it's just been, it's been an awesome ride. Obviously we have a lot of, uh, a lot left to do, a lot of unfinished business with regard to the cannabis practice, but it's been a great ride since we first got it started several years ago. Now, the other thing I would imagine is you have a lot of companies that they get the idea, well, we should just get a PR firm. But the one thing I noticed is that it's been obvious that the clients you've been working with, and I know just with working with clients, and this is no, this is no disrespect to the clients that work with us at all. But I noticed there is a bit of a learning curve because for those that are looking to adapt to the podcasting as a marketing tool, the same way if there's a certain things that you're looking to go and help a company with in terms of marketing, in terms of advertising and other things, I would imagine that there's a lot of a learning curve for some of these companies that are just trying to build their infrastructure into something much more organized. Now, that's not the problem today, but when you first started, I can imagine that might have been an issue. Absolutely. Look, we were fighting a lot of battles when we first got the cannabis practice started, that certainly being one of them on the client side. The I other mean, besides the fact that you had the stigma, the stigma of working with a cannabis company, because I know a lot of the firms that we work with, you know, at the beginning, it was always a matter of that they were hesitant about what their other clients would say about having a cannabis client on your roster. Yeah, Jorge, that's absolutely correct. In fact, that was part of the reasoning behind when we first got the practice or when we first started representing clients in the space, why we wanted to work for the first few months with clients that didn't touch the plant, simply because it was a little bit less stigmatized. You know, these were clients at the time that were data companies, technology companies, professional services companies servicing the cannabis industry, but they weren't consumer facing. So that was the rationality back in 2015 when we were first working with our first batch of cannabis clients, why we chose to represent clients that didn't touch the plant. We learned quickly, though, it was a great industry. The entrepreneurs were incredibly innovative and passionate. Their hearts and their heads both were in the right place. And then obviously we felt a lot more comfortable taking on clients that touched the plant. And we made that decision pretty quickly. Uh, but to your point, we were fighting you know, a few battles when we first started to represent cannabis clients, number one being having to educate the clients themselves on the value of PR and marketing. On the other end, it was educating the media. You know, there the media, especially the mainstream media, cannabis was incredibly stigmatized to the point where certain outlets as an editorial policy weren't even allowed to cover cannabis clients. So we had to educate those outlets in some cases, not just on why they should talk to our clients, but why they should feel comfortable covering the industry. 
So it was, um, it was certainly challenging. It was fascinating. And, you know, looking back on it now, the industry has transformed. I mean, it's come obviously a, a long way uh, from those days, but it's been a, it's been an incredible, incredible ride. But honestly, Matt, how much of a long way have we gotten? Because my thing is, okay, mainstream media, I am extremely cynical. I came from that business, uh, you know, for over 25 years, I've worked in media and I worked at several big corporate houses. My thing is they're, they're just not looking at their, they do not represent voice of the voiceless and industries like the cannabis industry are just vilified and castigated. My deal is they have not helped. They have not budged one inch nor helped this industry whatsoever. I think the financial side definitely wants to put some support behind because they see it as a bargaining chip. The legislators see, see the industry as a bargaining chip for whatever they need to do in some kind of a power grab that they have. That's just as, as blunt as I can be about that. And for me, it does upset me that we can't get any farther with that. And like obviously, that fight has to be grueling every day because I know for me, that's what we're trying to do. It's trying to break the wall down on the stigmatization of cannabis to everybody else, and, and, you know, either with C, with CBD, with hemp, it's across the board. We're, we're having that struggle every day. And the mainstream media, they know how to go and manipulate, create their own propaganda, you know, find some kind of a drug study that will just go ahead and just put a, a big red eye on this industry. It's a constant, constant struggle. Yeah, look, Jorge, I mean, you know, I think your point is valid, I think. I, I do think, you know, you have to keep things in uh, perspective sometimes. I, I agree with you overall. We have, you know, a heck of a long way to go when it comes to mainstream adoption and understanding and proper uh, education. But looking at where we were four or five years ago, I mean, I would say right now we're probably on the 25-yard line. Mm-hmm. You know, years ago we were like on our own one-yard line, and it was, you know, we were 99 yards away from the end zone when it came to mainstream awareness. I mean, we couldn't even get the mainstream media to pick up a call with one of our clients, at least so that's changed. And there's been a little bit more acceptance, but I think your point is totally valid in that we have a heck of a long way to go and, and we're nowhere near uh, the end of the race. I mean, we need more pickaxes to break down the wall that is there. The barrier is just there. And uh, you're right. We have made strides. There are those that are actually now responding and putting an ear to listen to what's going on because I mean, we're seeing, we, we see the legislators that are trying to put, legislation out there it's being discussed but again <clears throat> it's tough there are some i can believe that we have people that are in the industry that are trying to help out i mean they're the entrepreneur magazines the, the forbes of the world they are trying to support us as an industry and i appreciate that wholeheartedly the, the motley fool all the there's some mainstream publications but again it's you know trying to create the side to mainstream cannabis as a product that's just an everyday life just like alcohol just like anything else we have to get to that point i want to go and take us to a commercial break uh because i want to go and get that in real quick and then we're going to come back i got some stories to go and talk about uh you are launching a financial communications offering and i know there's some other things in terms of uh m a's and cannabis is essential to the mainstream we're going to talk all about that here with matt rosetta ceo of north six agency here on grassroots marketing stay with us Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. 
Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. Welcome back. I'm here with Matt Rosetta, the CEO of North 6 Agency. If you want to learn more, you can go to N6, N, letter N, number 6, a is an apple.com n6a.com that's where you can go and find out more about n6a and north six agency so matt pr week reported recently that uh, you have launched just recently a financial communications offering via a deal with the berlin group uh, the group will help clients define and reach valuation targets prepare for ipos manage investor relations and shareholder communications and prepare for liquidity events i'll tell you i'm during the pandemic that we are recording this episode you know i've been learning to adapt and learn about investing and stock trading and just you know making my money grow and in the end of venture capital it's it's fascinating about you know the level of investments that are there for people you know layman's like me that i have to go and build a certain amount so you're playing with big money here talk to me about this deal here and how n6a decided to go ahead and stretch out into the investment space Sure, Jorge. So yeah, what you're talking about, that's our N6A Enterprise Value Services Unit. It's run by a phenomenal uh, 30-year investor relations executive named Larry Larry Delaney. Uh, we have a team that we've built around him that has all sorts of different um, experience when it comes to financial communications and working directly with shareholders on financial marketing and liquidity events. I think just with the context of this conversation, obviously being on the cannabis industry, I think our Enterprise Value Services launch really mirrors nicely the transformation that the cannabis industry has underwent when it comes to business outcomes. You know, we talked about five years ago, Larry, when we, I'm sorry, five years ago, Jorge, when we first started representing cannabis clients, it was a fight for credibility. You know, we had to fight literally tooth and nail to get reporters uh, to agree to speak to our clients. Nobody wanted to give any sort of cannabis clients any level of credibility or attention in the media. And this was the fight we were faced with five years ago or so when we first started working with cannabis clients, right? That changed. And over the you know, two or three years later, the fight became not, not so much about credibility, but it became about mainstream awareness. So once cannabis achieved some level of credibility in the press, now it was about fighting for ink in the mainstream, the provincial and the regional nature of cannabis coverage uh, away and really focusing on the national media and getting the mainstream coverage to pay attention. I think the next wave of cannabis has to do with business outcomes. And that's really what the Enterprise Value Services Unit is there to address. It's there to work hand in hand with our cannabis clients and our other clients through the lens of marketing and financial communication services to help them achieve business outcomes. You know, it could be a revenue outcome, it could be a liquidity event via an MA transaction, it could be a capital raise outcome. For a lot of our cannabis clients, it's pre-IPO and post-IPO stage on markets where they're allowed to transact. Um, so that's what that division's all about. We're super excited about it, of course. So I want to make the point also about um, that our Green Peak program, hosted by Richard Zwicky and the folks at Planet Global, we actually have recently, and I've probably quoted this a couple times so far, Steve D'Angelo was uh, one of the founders of Harborside in Oakland, California. 
mention the fact about there are many, there are Silicon Valley companies. There are there are investors waiting in the wings to jump in with the right right time. So the looking for investors should not be the issue because there's a lot of a lot of curiosity right now in the space from some real big players. The other thing I also notice in that same respect is. Um, where you're looking for you know, the right kind of people, the right kind of business people that are looking to get in to have that communications gap shortened. One of the things I want to ask you about is in that same interview with Steve, he also made the mention of uh, transparency or communication rather, because the idea we want to have a pure communication and understanding and, and a, let's say, uh, an homage to the heritage of the industry, to make sure to tap into the people that brought this industry from the forefront from the beginning and bring it forward, that it just can't be corporate types coming into a new space and just, you know, putting their own spin into it, thinking we could just use the same same old widget, it'll work. Yeah, Jorge, I completely agree with you. In fact, we're working with a lot of our clients to address just that issue where you want to bring a level of discipline and rigor to a lot of these cannabis businesses, especially the publicly traded ones, when it comes to operating discipline, it comes to financial acumen, things of that nature. But you also, to your point, you don't want to lose any of the legacy perspectives and domain knowledge that these businesses have. So that's where it's a very fine line because you want to grow enterprise value in these cannabis clients by bringing improved operating discipline, but you never want to do it where it comes at the expense of losing out on the heritage and the legacy of the brand and the knowledge frankly, that a lot of the entrepreneurs and the founders of the cannabis companies have that, an, that a lot of new investors that are just jumping into the space, frankly, could never have. So it's an incredibly fine line you have to walk, uh, but if you walk it, it's a great balance and it's a great combination of operating discipline and financial markets expertise, along with uh, legacy perspectives and domain knowledge that only the founders and the entrepreneurs that were in the game early in cannabis really have. That quote from Steve has just stuck with me for about over a month and a half now since we recorded that interview. I just think that it says a lot and it really does show a vision of where this industry can be in another decade. And I think to have this experience in the last five years, you've seen it as well, I'm sure, Matt, is that we are getting mm-hmm. corporatization. We're getting a lot of Fortune 1000 types that are finding their way out of Main Street. They want a new challenge, a new experience. But the new challenge, a new experience needs to include an understanding of the industry as a whole. And there's a history behind it. They need to know that history. I mean, they might think, oh, well, I could just do it because I ran this company. I made billions of dollars. From it. That's a different story here. And we're starting to see that because then we can see the constant changeover of CEOs at a given company and how that works out. And it's like, listen, you can try to go and bring somebody else that had this. But again, it's like this is not like the stock market here. There, there's, there's, uh, there is this is a niche market that's growing exponentially. And people yeah. need to understand that. Now, Jorge, you know, you know what's yeah. interesting about that? And I can tell you from our experience, we've worked with a lot of clients where there have been CEOs or there's been new executives that have been appointed or have joined the companies that don't come from cannabis backgrounds. And I can tell you just from our experience, the executives that have made the transition as seamlessly and successful as possible have been the ones that have taken the time, literally taken the time to study cannabis markets, to study the background of the brand, to really create a connection between the brand um, and, and the only way that they have been able to do that is to put the time in. You know, they 
they've spent time talking to the founders of the companies. They've hit the road and spoken to early cannabis uh, experts and proponents of the legal cannabis. You know, way back before it was, uh, it, it, you know, before it was mainstream. People like Steve D'Angelo, frankly, those. <laughs> successful executives in our experience when it comes to transitioning from non-cannabis backgrounds to cannabis operating positions. The ones who have failed miserably are the ones who come from, you know, Goldman Sachs or whatever, you know, financial background uh, it might be. And they just thought that they could push and shove their way into uh, success in the space because they have a specific domain knowledge of their trade, whether it's the financial markets, HR, recruiting, whatever it is, but they didn't take the time to really study the heritage and the legacy of the brand or of the category in which they, you know, were transitioning. Those have been the ones that have, have failed miserably. You penned an article for Benzinga, really like what you wrote here. Uh, this is what you wrote in this article in particular, quote, Cannabis's ascension to the mainstream has required brands to adjust their go-to market strategies with an emphasis on digestible messaging, keeping the broader consumer in mind. Back in the early days, the media consumer who was interested in cannabis content tended to be younger, niche-oriented, and primarily male. And time, this has changed dramatically. Today's media consumer in cannabis is omnipresent. Today's consumer is female just as much as it male, as it is male, as it is a baby boomer just as much as it is a millennial, as it is a high earner as much as it is a middle-class income household, and so on and so on. Talk to me about the positive business implications of the growing acceptance. Like, when you see real numbers out there and what you're seeing with your clients and what they've been able to go ahead and what you've been able to go ahead and get them in terms of influence, in terms of growth, in terms of exposure. Yeah, well, I think that quote sort of sums it sums it up. I mean, we, I remember Jorge when we first started talking or when we first started dealing with the media in cannabis. The cannabis consumer, the media consumer, the cannabis consumer that was consuming media, uh, looked totally different and was influenced by completely different messages than they were today. In many respects, it was a challenge when we first started representing cannabis clients. It was actually easier to communicate messages because the audience was much more siloed. Nowadays, the audience is omnipresent. It's male just as much as it is female. It's a high income household just as it, as it is a lower middle income household. It's regional just as much as it is national. So the job of anyone who's in marketing or communications on behalf of the cannabis brand today is totally different because you have to customize messaging to all of those audiences because all of those audiences demand media, they're consuming media with regard to cannabis in a way that they weren't many years ago. So it's much more uh, fragmented. It's required much more uh, persona creation when it comes to understanding how to communicate messages as opposed to back in the day where it was much more, you know, one size fits all, if you will. Got it. We're going to come back with more. Well, just a few more questions real quick with Matt Rosetta, CEO of North Six Agency. Again, while we go to break, check them out at N. The number 6a.com, back with final questions after this. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. 
This is the original fabric container for faster producing healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA free and lead free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. We're in the home stretch with Matt Rosetta, CEO of North Six Agency here on Grassroots Marketing. You have a new book. Congratulations. Embrace the pace. The 100 most exhilarating lessons learned in a decade of entrepreneurship. Uh, it's available for all of you, Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Uh, so you share the 100 most exhilarating lessons and learned in a decade. Talk to me about this book, Inspired, and what are a couple of takeaways that people could get from getting the book? Sure. So when I started, first off, Jorge, just to put it in context, I started the firm. I was 26 years old. Uh, first time entrepreneur, didn't know what the heck I was doing running a business. Wow. And you read all these, and I, you know, this, I think is, I think there's some interesting takeaways for cannabis entrepreneurs, because a lot of that fear and uncertainty and, and, and adversity, frankly, is very much applicable and transferable to cannabis. <laughs> entrepreneurs. So when I started the firm, you read all these scary small business survival statistics, they scare the hell out of you was that only 4% of small businesses survive past the 10-year mark. Yeah. And I remember when I read that statistic, I said to myself, you know what? To motivate myself, if we make it to the 10-year mark as a business, I'm going to write a book uh, about the 100 most important lessons I learned over the 10-year journey. So obviously, fast forward 10 years later, we made it to the decade milestone. And then I had been collecting a diary with all these lessons I learned along the way. And then I turned it into I embrace the pace, the book that we published, which captured a hundred of those. And, um, you know, I, I can just tell you out of the hundred lessons, a few that I think are really good takeaways specific to cannabis entrepreneurs. Number one is that, uh, never forget your survival days. That's the first lesson yeah. in the book. Actually, you know, when you're in, when you're just starting a business and I'm sure the cannabis entrepreneurs listening to this can, when you're just starting a business, cannabis business or whatever it might be, you're just in survival mode. You're surviving and nothing more. You know, that's all you're doing. You're trying to survive day to day. Every day is a fight to get revenue, to convince people to come work for your company, to convince customers to come consume your products, whatever it might be. And I've learned over 10 years that you should always be in survival mode. You know, we're 10 years into this. We've built a considerable business. We've achieved the level of success. I think that, you know, I'm certainly uh, proud of thanks to the great people we've been surrounded by. Uh, but we feel like we're in survival mode every day. You know, every day is just as much a fight as it was 10 years ago. So that's one lesson I think I would certainly think would resonate with cannabis entrepreneurs. And I don't, I don't know how much more time we have, but I'm happy to give a couple others as well. Actually, I would love just to make sure to go and get people over to the book. Because uh, uh, what I just want to also ask as well is um, going back to the start of your answer there, the fact about a decade ago, you know, we here at uh, Cannabis Radio, we have a sister station that is a mainstream vertical. So we've talked about PR. We actually had a show called Cover Story um, that actually talked about PR. So, And Jack O'Dwyer was actually one of our guests on that program uh, before he passed away. But I'll tell you one thing was um, 
can only imagine that the kind of issues you had and 10 years ago, there was the digital disruption that we still deal with today. And traditional PR was going by the wayside, crisis communications, crisis management, and just dealing with the transition to digital PR and just seeing the disconnect from traditional PR types not being able to adapt to social media, to adapt to, you know, just doing business wire, you know, doing press releases online and finding a different way to reach the audience because they're not the traditional press release had to go ahead and go through an uh, uh, ongoing change. And it's evolution. It's gone through a f- real evolution. Uh, talk to me about that and just to really just um, besides what you learned from that, are, are there any lessons you could say basically on the transition to digital as a, as a, doing PR and doing marketing for a client? Yeah, well, I think you nailed it. Ten years ago, it was it was a fascinating time to operate a business in marketing services and communications because – you were undergoing a transformation to your point, uh, unlike anything we had ever seen before. And I can give you just, just to kind of put this in context. I remember our first couple months in business running to a fax machine <laughs> to fax out news releases and you know news alerts on behalf of our clients. And then the next morning running over to Facebook and starting to experiment with Facebook pages for our clients for the first time ever. And that was, that was the environment we were operating in. It was, you had one foot in old school, traditional media. You had one, one foot also in, you know, the early stages, of course, in digital and social media. And you were just trying to navigate your way through that in a way that supported the clients in a way that, you know, was, um, was just as much forward looking as it was pragmatic. And it was a fascinating time to be operating a business. Nowadays, in many respects, it's um, you know it's easier and it's easier and harder. I mean, the, the the reason it's easier in some respects is because everything is digital now, so you're not really reliant on traditional you know print media the way we were ten years ago. Obviously, it's harder because everything is public, so you have to be incredibly diligent. You have to vet messages properly. You have to scrutinize every little detail on behalf of your clients in a way that you know we never ever did. Uh, before, because the smallest little mistake, you know, when it comes to messaging, now the world can see and it can literally make or break a brand overnight. So I think the level of vetting and diligence when you're talking about external messaging today is incredibly uh, thorough and comprehensive in a way that it never was or had to be, you know, years ago. Times have changed so much. Uh, Matt Rosetta, CEO of North Six Agency. So again, we talked about. Um, your work, so offering uh, clients the opportunity to go ahead and work with you. Uh, obviously, you have a great track record when it comes down to it. We've had a lot of guests that have come on with us as a result of N6A. Uh, the other thing I want to make mention of is um, your enterprise value uh, services that you brought up now, your new financial communications offering. So when people go to N6A.com, make sure just go and talk to our listeners about what they should go ahead and look at if they want to work with you. And, you know, how they can follow along with what you're doing to say through social media. How can they uh, follow along and check in with you? Well, look, if you're a cannabis client out there and you're looking to align PR and marketing with a business outcome transaction, whether it's an IPO event, whether it's a capital raise event, whether it's a revenue outcome, whether it's a transaction, you know, on the M&A side, that's really what we specialize in. So we have our credibility unit that handles all of their PR and credibility assets. We have our amplification unit that does all of their digital marketing. And now we have the enterprise value services unit, 
uh, which handles all of their investor relations and transactional support. So, you know, if you're a listener that is interested in the alignment or aligning PR with a specific business outcome, certainly give us a call. Check us out online at 6a.com. Uh, we're also very active on LinkedIn and we're happy to, uh, you know, we're happy to set up time to talk anytime. Sounds great. Matt, thanks so much for joining us once again here on Grassroots Market. Again, N6A.com is where you can go and find out more. And folks, thanks for listening to Grassroots Marketing. Thank you, listeners, as always, for listening in, finding the show at CannabisRadio.com, a great home where all the episodes are here available. Uh, and you can also find us distributed through all of our major po- podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, and many others. Thank you for listening. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited. Why pay more for a separate CoQ10 supplement? Enjoy twice the benefits with Superbeats Heart Choose Advanced. From the number one doctor, pharmacist, and cardiologist recommended beet brand for heart health support, the new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced by Human is now infused with CoQ10. That's essentially like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 ingredients support nitric oxide production, healthy blood pressure, healthy CoQ10 levels, and heart healthy energy with two tasty chews a day. Plus, Superbeats Heart Chews Advance are plant-based, so you get heart-healthy energy without stimulants. For a limited time, get a free 30-day supply of Superbeats Heart Chews on all bundles and 15% off your first order by going to RadioBeats.com and using promo code DEAL. That's RadioBeats.com, code DEAL. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.